From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Wednesday edition, President Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping will reportedly meet next week virtually. The meeting comes amid rising concerns from U.S. military experts and members of Congress that China is showing rapid growth in multiple strategic areas that puts them on track to surpass surpass the U.S. as a world power if they have not already done so. We'll look at what China is doing and how the Biden administration is responding with Florida Congressman Mike Waltz. And speaking of the military, dozens of Navy SEALs have filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration and the Department of Defense for refusing to grant their religious exemptions to the coronavirus shot mandate. Not only did they refuse their religious exemptions, what they threatened the, these elite warriors with is stunning. We'll get the details from Mike Berry with First Liberty, which is representing the SEALs. And continuing on the military front, the National Defense Authorization Act will soon be voted on in Congress. And in this must-pass piece of legislation is a provision that would require young women to register for the draft for the first time in our nation's history. We discussed this last week with Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, who has introduced an amendment to remove this forced registration for women from the bill. We'll get the latest from Senator Roger Wicker of Mississippi, who is supporting Senator Hawley's Amendment. And finally, inflation in the U.S. has hit a 30-year high as consumer prices jumped over 6% from last year. Driving the increase is energy costs, but what's driving the increase in energy costs? Could it be the policies of the Biden administration? We'll talk dollars and cents with Dan Celia, host of Financial Issues, just a little bit later here on Washington Watch. The website's Tony Perkins. Lots of resources there for you and contacts for all of our guests. So, Visit the website, TonyPerkins.com. Also, I have on there each day a devotion that corresponds, a biblical devotion that corresponds with our two-year Bible reading plan. And uh, by the way, you know this, from coast to coast, border to border, pray together for life November the 28th. It's a national prayer gathering in Jackson, Mississippi, in advance of the U.S. Supreme Court hearing oral arguments in the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization case. This is the case that could overturn Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court decision that made abortion legal in all 50 states. To find out how you can be a part of this event from anywhere in the world, text TOGETHER to 67742. That's 67742, the word TOGETHER. And this evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, I invite you to join us for a special look at how Christians should approach the choice of surrendering to a mandate or losing their job. Many, many people are faced with that choice right now under the Biden administration vaccine or shot mandate. Join us tonight at 8 p.m. as we talk with theologian and attorneys, theologians and attorneys uh, to navigate this difficult terrain. Again, that's 8 p.m. tonight. PrayVoteStand.org. Well, the Chinese Communist Party government has been raising eyebrows recently over China's uh, Xinjiang uh, region. Xinjiang region, uh, region rather, but this time not for the Uyghur concentration camps. Mock-ups of American warships are apparently being built in the desert. Why are warships being built in the middle of a desert? And these uh, satellite images of the fake warships 
Could they be a foretaste of the Chinese government's potential plans of conquest? Joining me now to talk more about this and the upcoming meeting between the two presidents is Congressman Mike Waltz. He's a member of the Armed Services Committee, and he joins us now. Congressman, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hey, good to be with you, Tony. Uh, first, let me get your take on uh, this pending meeting that's been reported that will take place next week uh, between President Xi and uh, President Biden. Well, you know, unfortunately, I don't expect uh, a lot in terms of any real demands on on Biden's uh, standpoint or even in a reaction to this incredible military buildup that we're seeing on the part of the Chinese Communist Party. And just to you know, get right to the point, it's because I think so many elements of our society that that Biden tends to care about the most are compromised and are awash with Chinese money. And that's from Hollywood uh, to our our sports ecosystems. And we've seen what the NBA, uh, how they've kowtowed to the Chinese market, certainly Wall Street. Uh, you have uh, you know folks like Larry Fink at BlackRock. Uh, you know, telling his investors to triple down. And then, you know, we, you know, we could probably spend another hour really scratching at where Hunter Biden's investments really lie. But we do know he is still an equity holder uh, in a Chinese Chinese private equity company that's invested in blacklisted Chinese firms, one of which is blacklisted for trying to steal American nuclear technology. So for all of those reasons, uh, plus, on top of the fact that there just doesn't seem to be an interest at all in pressing the Chinese on the origins of COVID, uh, it wasn't even raised in the last call that that Biden had. Uh, I think there's just a real desire on his part to get back to normal, same old, same old status quo, as he said during the campaign. Come on, man. You know, there's uh, the Chinese aren't our adversaries. Um, so unfortunately, I, I, I don't expect much from this meeting. Well, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, uh, Chairman General Mark uh, Milley, um, who I would say is certainly in Biden's uh, favor. Uh, I mean, he's he's certainly not been in the favor of uh, of conservatives. Uh, he recently uh, said that there is every reason to be concerned with the military buildup of China. He pointed to the hypersonic missile test, the expanding nuclear arsenal, the strides in their space and cyber, uh, and their threats toward Taiwan. Uh, right. Is the president listening to him? Well, he didn't listen to him uh, when it came to the disaster in Afghanistan. What became clear from uh, our hearings that we held in both the Senate and the House is that uh, the military overwhelmingly and in writing, because I think they knew how controversial it was going to be, advised that he leave a residual force, advised that uh, it's not a matter of if but when terrorist groups can reconstitute and attack the West again, advised that uh, we get a number of our civilians out and start the evacuation before we get all of our military out. All of that advice was ignored by Biden uh, coming from his his military and his intelligence community. So I'm not very optimistic. Uh, I think, frankly, President Biden thinks when it comes to foreign policy, because he was chairman of the Senate Foreign Policy Committee, that that he's the smartest in the room. We've seen his stubborn streak that uh, that he's not going to listen to the fact that of all the things you mentioned, the Chinese Navy 
is larger than the U.S. Navy now. They can concentrate all of their ships in one ocean. Ours are spread around the world. They're cranking out ships at a rate of five to one. They're on track to build their thousand shipyard, Tony. The United States has 24 by comparison. And in this recent infrastructure package, not a dollar went into uh, our shipyard industry to, to repair that unbalance. So the trend lines are bad. Uh, and, and the fact that so many people are making so much money over there uh, and has compromised so much of our institutions are one of the reasons that me and, and so many others are so concerned. Uh, Congressman Waltz, it sounds like you would agree with the statement of the outgoing vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs, John Hyten, who said that uh, the pace that China is currently uh, developing their military capabilities is stunning and that they are on track to surpass the United States if we don't do something to change it. That's right. Uh, In the meantime, you have uh, Biden, at least in his initial budget, came over uh, with a real dollar cut. Uh, to our military with drastic uh, domestic expenses. And this is something I want you know, all of your listeners to really understand. The theory of Chinese victory isn't World War III, uh, you know, with ship on ship, tank on tank. The theory of their victory uh, is to outcompete us, much like we did the Soviet Union, where we just can't keep up. And meanwhile, we go bankrupt. We just can't build as many ships or as many rockets uh, or as many stealth fighters, and in between what we do build, they're stealing the technology. Uh, that's that's why this this adversary is just so dangerous. But right now, the left, the progressives, have got their foot on the gas, driving us in a Ferrari towards bankruptcy. And meanwhile, the Chinese are just watching us do it as they build up their military. Uh, Congressman Waltz, what do you make of these targets uh, that are in the shape and dimensions of U.S. Navy aircraft carriers that are yeah. in the, the desert there in uh, Xinjiang province? Well, the, what the Chinese are doing is they're building long-range missiles uh, that can reach out and sink uh, our aircraft carriers before uh, they can get within range of the carrier fighter jets within Taiwan. Uh, And that's what they're testing out in the desert, the accuracy of those missiles to be able to hit a moving ship uh, as it's steaming towards Taiwan. Meanwhile, kind of geopolitically, we're hearing Z tell his military to prepare for war, openly talking about reunification of Taiwan. That's going to happen either the easy way or the hard way, diplomatically or militarily. They know that at this point, at least our military doctrine is to intervene, and we'll do that with aircraft carriers. So that's what he's setting the stage for. And, Tony, I think we're in a really dangerous window. The Chinese Olympics in Beijing, what I'm calling the Genocide Olympics, and I've called for a boycott, is right around the corner in February. Uh, Xi will get reelected chairman in, the, uh, in June and July of next summer. And then you have a window between his reelection and Biden's reelection, where I think he smells weakness in the White House and sees an opportunity uh, to take what he's always wanted, which is Taiwan. And once he has that, he controls the sea lanes into Japan, into South Korea, into Malaysia, and partially into Australia. Uh, and and it, the, the rest of the chips are going to start falling for Chinese China to take over as the dominant world power. By the way, uh, Congressman Walsh, I want to commend you. You were, I think, the first to call for the U.S. Uh, not to engage in the uh, Olympics uh, there in uh, in China as a result of 
the mass atrocities that they're involved in with uh, religious minorities and others there in China. So I I thank you for that. Uh, The no doubt on uh, the Chinese president's list of items to talk about, I would imagine next week will be the fact that uh, the U.S., some U.S., some of your colleagues, in fact, uh, went to Taiwan, uh, which the defense minister or a spokesman for the Department of the Ministry of Defense in China called a sneaky visit. Uh, what do you know about that visit? Well, I applaud the visit, and I think we need to be doing a lot more of it. I think the way to deter uh, China from taking this dangerous and you know, massively destabilizing, essentially leading us to war, a step in terms of trying to militarily invade or, um, uh, Taiwan is to turn Taiwan into a porcupine. Um, we are working with them right now to enhance their National Guard and their reserves and, and militias. Uh, I think we need to drastically increase the, uh, the, the arms uh, that, we're, that we're selling to Taiwan. I think the best way to maintain the peace is to raise the cost. Uh, so that when Z looks at the at, at the cost of, of this type of uh, invasion or military intervention, that the cost is just too high. Um, and that the United States is willing to preserve democracy, is willing to preserve freedom of the seas and the ocean and trade, uh, and is willing to stand with our allies in Japan and South Korea and Australia. Um, we need to make that clear. And one of the ways to do that is through visits and, and being present on the island of Taiwan. Yeah, uh, without question. Uh, Congressman Mike Waltz, always great to talk with you. And um, we'll be uh, talking more to you as you keep your eye on China and the developments there. Thanks so much for being with us today. All right. God bless, Tony. Anytime. All right. uh, Congressman Mike Waltz of Florida. All right. Coming up next, uh, Mississippi Senator Roger Wicker joins us. So don't go away. More Washington Watch to come. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. 
to get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications. Sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. To find out more about our event coming up on November the 28th, Pray Together for Life, which will be coming to you from Jackson, Mississippi, the epicenter of this battle over Roe v. Wade, text the word TOGETHER to 67742. That's 67742 to find out more about Pray Together for Life. These days, there is never a shortage of news on the COVID shot mandate and the government's heavy hand attempting to get a jab into every American arm. USA Today reported earlier that almost one million kids ages 5 through 11 were jabbed in the first days of youth vaccine rollout. The Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, was quoted by CBS Face the nation as saying, considering the widespread availability of vaccines and treatment against COVID-19, there should, quote, be no need for remote or hybrid learning. Now, what does this mean for potential COVID-19 vaccine mandates for kids? Well, we uh, we look at uh, what uh, the secretary of uh, education uh, said over the weekend on a TV program. Let's play uh, that clip of Secretary Cardona. Should we expect elementary school age kids to soon face requirements? You know, we've made strong recommendations that uh, states uh, work with their health partners to uh, make them accessible and communicate the importance of it and where necessary, require it. Well... What does that mean? Joining me now to talk about this is someone who's been intimately involved in pushing back against the mandates for members of our military, for businesses engaged in interstate commerce, uh, for essential workers, as well as urging the CDC to acknowledge natural immunity from COVID-19 is Senator Roger Wicker of Mississippi. Senator, welcome back to the program. Senator, do we have Senator Wicker? Uh, Senator, welcome to the program. Oh, well, we don't have him yet. We'll we'll see when we uh, get him. So here's my, if I were a betting man, I'm not. uh, But if I were, I would say the odds are that you're going to see mandates for children with the vaccine or the shot. Uh, whether it comes from the federal government, what we see now the federal government doing, as you just heard from the Secretary 
of education is that we're encouraging, we're recommending states do this. Now, they may ultimately tie it to funding. Um, Of course, they may push some of the local officials to do. I mean, who, who knows? But I I would venture to say it's coming. Well, joining us now to talk more about this is Senator Roger Wicker of Mississippi. Senator, welcome to the program. Well, Tony, uh, th- thanks for having me on, and, and uh, sorry for the technical glitch there. Let me let me also say, uh, first of all, thank you for mentioning the Mississippi pro-life case. This could be the most important Supreme Court case uh, dealing with life in uh, decades. And also, I appreciate your um previous segment on Taiwan. So I, I know that's not the reason for this interview, but thank you for uh, for mentioning that. But yes, I, I do think that the, um, I, I think the administration and uh, health authorities that believe in authoritarianism and, and central planning, I think they have totally misread the American people on this issue. I think there's going to be a, a huge pushback uh, from people who really would uh, prefer to make their own decisions about this. Well, I know you've been working closely with your governor. We had your governor on the program earlier in the week, and Mississippi was a part of the uh, the case that uh, went before the Fifth Circuit that uh, resulted in the present stay that's been issued. W- what are the next steps from a congressional standpoint? I know Republicans are in the minority, uh, but it's a very slight minority in the Senate, and you have a lot of tools at your disposal there in the Senate. We'll have some opportunities to get every uh, for every senator to take a vote on this issue. Um, we may not have the votes to get it passed, but at the end of the day, uh, folks all across the nation will know uh, how their um, representatives and senators stand on this issue because uh, um, we, we can bring about a vote. It may be on a unanimous consent. It may be if they bring reconciliation up again, you know, we have what we call a voterama at last on into the night. But we will offer an amendment somehow to get senators and representatives on the record about this. And um, I think when uh, I think when folks start um, realizing they're they're going to lose their job, even even though they have immunity, even though they have conscientious objections to putting something in their body that uh, they don't quite feel comfortable about. Uh, I think there's going to be a, a I think there's going to be an economic turndown and a downturn, and and I think um, uh, there's going to be a, a political revolt. Well, I think you're right. I mean, we're, we're seeing that economic impact right now. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the program. Uh, I want to go to one other issue before we run out of time. You have joined with uh, one of your colleagues, Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, in and offering an amendment to the Defense Authorization Act, which Current language would require women for the first time in our nation's history to register for the draft. What's the status on that? Well, I think we'll uh, we'll get an amendment, uh, um, and and again, uh, that's that's what we're hoping to do, uh, Senator Hawley, and people who've signed on to his amendment. Uh, we're hoping to take that out on the floor. First thing we need to do is is get uh, Chuck Schumer to actually take up the bill. This is a a matter that has been passed on a bipartisan basis every year for 60 years. And here it is almost uh, Thanksgiving, and uh, Chuck Schumer will not even bring it to the floor. It's passed the House. Um, and so uh, bring the bill up and let us have an amendment. And again, um, 
I'll be voting to to take that out. You know, at, we're, we're probably never going to have a draft, but but the idea of um, of putting um, your your little girl or your granddaughter um, on a troop train um, is um, is I think something that Americans aren't ready for. Uh, yeah, and the polling would suggest that's uh, absolutely true. Uh, Senator, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, always great to talk with you. Look forward to seeing you maybe in Mississippi when we're there at the end of the month. Sorry about the technical glitch. Thank you, sir. Not a problem. <laughs> uh, actually, a poll shows very clearly that American support for drafting women has declined quite significantly. Only 45% of Americans support the idea. Only 36% of women support the idea of being, being forced to register for the draft bad idea in my view, but a further blurring of the lines of gender. All right, uh, speaking of the military, when we come back, Navy SEALs have filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration and the Department of Defense for refusing their religious exemptions on the vaccine. We'll talk with Mike Berry next. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Again, I invite you to join us tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, for Pray Vote Stand as we take a closer look at navigating this terrain of the vaccine or the shot mandates. A lot of folks, including my own family, working through the choices they have to make. And we're going to talk with lawyers and theologians about this tonight and how we as Christians should approach this. 8 p.m. Eastern time, prayvotestand.org. Uh, you don't want to miss that. 
Dozens of Navy SEALs have filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration and the Department of Defense for refusing to grant their religious exemptions to the coronavirus shot mandate. But not only did they refuse their religious exemptions, in some cases they threatened these elite warriors with something that, frankly, is stunning. Here with the details is Mike Berry, General Counsel for First Liberty Institute, which is representing these SEALs. Mike, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back with you. All right, Mike, let's uh, let me uh, let me start there at the end and we'll work our way back. I was shocked with a part of uh, the threats that were given toward these seals for simply exercising their religious freedom of filing exemption. In one case, uh, a directive from the uh, Navy's covid Consolidated Disposition Authority warned that if SEALs refuse the vaccine, the Navy may seek to recover from each service member the amount of money that had been spent on their training, which, according to your lawsuit, was how much? Well, for each individual SEAL, that training can be anywhere from $1 million to $2 million per SEAL or, or even more, right, because they, they undergo highly specialized training uh, for all different types of circumstances and environments that they might have to operate in. And, you know, it's just it's purely vindictive and punitive in nature. It has nothing to do with keeping people safe or a pandemic or stopping a virus. It's purely vindictive. I mean, to me, that it's stunning that they would essentially it's almost like blackmail saying that if you exercise uh, this religious exemption, uh, you could end up paying a million or two million dollars. We might do this. I mean, to me, that's that's it's it's like blackmail. Yeah, Tony, you say it's like blackmail. It's funny you say that because you know when I talk to our clients, uh, the, these these uh, nearly three dozen Navy SEALs, and we talk about uh, the types of harassment, the types of hostility that they're experiencing. That's exactly what it looks and feels like. You know, it's as if the Navy is saying. Yeah, you know, we're doing all of these things to you, um, and it, it reminds them a lot of, of going through BUDS, right? And, and, and legendarily at BUDS, uh, all you have to do to make the, the, the pain stop is to go ring the bell and just say, right. I quit, right? But I don't they want didn't. anymore. That's why they're there. They didn't. I mean, to me, it looks like the military picked the wrong group to fight with. That's exactly right, because these, these guys are not going to ring the bell. You know, there's no quit in them. And the Navy is saying, well, we'll make all of this stuff stop. If you just get the jab, just roll up your sleeve and get the jab, you know, and and, and so the, the Navy has told them uh, choose between your faith and serving your country. As you pointed out, they're telling them uh, we can go after you for recoupment of training money. They've told their families, right, there was an order issued that said that neither the service member nor their dependents are allowed to travel for official or unofficial business. So that means here we are on the Thanksgiving season coming up on Christmas season, and you've got people who are stationed far away from their homes. Families love to go home for the holidays to, to, to visit relatives, and they're now being told, well, if you're not vaccinated, you can't travel. You can't go home to see grandma and grandpa or, or your cousins and, so, and, and things like that. And so, again, what, re, what relation does that have to readiness or to right. a pandemic? It's purely punitive in nature. So, so, Mike, have any religious exemptions been granted uh, to the Navy SEALs that have applied? Uh, Tony, no religious exemptions have been granted to anybody in the Navy. 
uh, or the Department of Defense. The Navy was bragging about this other day. They had a they had a spokesperson that said, well, we just granted five permanent medical exemptions from the COVID vaccine, but we haven't granted a single religious exemption from the vaccine since 2015. Well, well guess what? Uh, spokesperson, that's actually the definition of religious discrimination. When you say that we will, we'll treat, we'll treat medical exemptions one way, but if you ask for religious exemptions, you don't get it. Nobody gets one and, and they don't intend to grant any religious exemptions for the foreseeable future. That's exhibit A, I think, in your lawsuit. Uh, that they have said we've not we, we've not granted any we don't plan on it. I mean to me that just is blatant that they're saying we don't care about these religious exemptions. Yeah, you know, and, and at First Liberty, you know, we we filed this lawsuit and we met, began immediately people questioning, well, uh, why is the Navy doing this, right? Why is the Navy? And I encourage people go to FirstLiberty.org and you can see a copy of the lawsuit that we just filed. You can sign a petition to support the Navy SEALs. But, you know, one of the questions is, well, why would the Navy do that? Why would the Navy say we're granting medical exemptions or administrative exemptions, but not religious exemptions? And I just encourage people, you connect the dots yourself and figure it out. What is it about a religious exemption that's different from everything else? It's because that person who's asking for it says, I have a religious belief that that compels me to do something that might even violate the order, not violate, but 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 not comply with the order I've been given. And, and that's the one thing that this Pentagon and this administration refuses to stand for is a group of people who say we submit to a higher authority. And right. look, in, in my book, that looks an awful lot like an ideological purge. Um, very quickly, we're up against a break, Mike. When do you expect to hear something on the lawsuit? Uh, that's hard to say. I mean, it could be within a week or two. Uh, we're hopeful that, 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 you know, that the judge or the court will uh, want to hear a hearing. And, and they're going to want a response from the Department of Defense. And guess what? Right. We would like to, a response from the Department of Defense, too. All right. Well, we'll leave it there, but we'll be tracking this closely. And by the way, uh, happy birthday, Maureen. Semper Fi. Happy birthday. 246. Right. That's right. Still looking young. All right, folks, don't go away. We come back. We talk dollars and cents with Dan Celia. Next. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. 
In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students. Are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. This is Washington Watch, and I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you. From coast to coast, border to border, pray together for life. November the 28th, we'll be joined uh, by many leaders from across the nation as we meet in Jackson, Mississippi, the epicenter of the challenge to Roe v. Wade. 7 p.m. Central Time, we'll be at New Horizon Church. Uh, You can be a part of it. To find out how, text the word TOGETHER to 67742. That's 67742, the word TOGETHER. The headlines, well, they say it all. Consumer prices soar again and push U.S. rate of inflation to 31-year high. Key inflation report, prices aren't coming back to earth anytime soon. Another consumer price index rate blows up to 31-year high. I'm sure you've noticed yourself, you don't need headlines to tell you that everyday goods have soared in terms of their price. The rate of inflation here in the U.S. is a 31-year high. The bad news comes from the Biden administration's own Department of Labor. In a recent report on the historic inflation we're seeing now. Now, what does this mean for each of our households, our bottom line? You know, what does that mean? How is this going to impact when you see the price of food going up, price of energy, which is driving a lot of this increase? How long will this last? Well, joining me now with some answers, I hope. Dan Celia, president and CEO of Financial Stewardship Ministries. He's here to uh, kind of chart a course for us through all of this. Dan, welcome back to Washington Watch. Tony, it's great to be back with you. Thank you uh, for having us. Boy, what a day this has been, huh? Yeah. I mean, these headlines, um, if, if I weren't saved, I'd be scared. Yeah, it's, it's true. Uh, man, it is. Uh, I mean, we haven't seen this since 1990. Um, it is incredible rate of inflation. Everything that we said it was going to be, unfortunately, uh, I don't I didn't. Uh, I, I think I said back in February, I don't want to be right about this, but uh, it's I know I'm going to be. And so does the Federal Reserve. 
They just uh, can't bring themselves to saying it. And, yeah, this inflation is here to stay for a while. It's only going to get worse. Uh, it is literally impossible. I said in, in February that it's impossible for it not to be anything but uh, it's going to be anything but stay, uh, transitory. And it's impossible for it not to get worse right now. I mean, when we look at all the indicators out there, uh, there's, there's no relief in, in sight. On the supply chain, uh, we still need 80,000 truck drivers. Gasoline prices are still going up. President O'Biden is be- uh, President O'Biden. That's O'Biden. Oh, uh, is, <laughs> Was that a is Freudian calling- slip? No, it isn't. I do it all the time on my show, so that's why I did it. I'm, oh, okay. I, okay. Uh, I call I call, I call it the uh, O'Biden administration. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, President Biden has has uh has to take full blame for all of this it continues to get worse everybody knows it's going to get worse he's begging opec he's begging russia for oil uh because he can't bear to to keep it here on our shores and talk to companies here i mean it is just insane and it's going to get worse tony let, let, let me let me just stop that one point i, I just want to want to drill down on this because this stuff I mean, I'm not an economist, but basic economic philosophy is not difficult. I mean, you go back mm-hmm. to supply and demand, and let's take a couple of these issues to talk about the supply supply, uh, supply of gasoline, of oil. I mean, energy prices are one of the key drivers of the price spike. I mean, and, and we're not even into winter yet. We're not even into winter when people are going to start using home eating oil. And we see, actually, this is what's really interesting – uh, electricity is spiking in its cost, and we're we're not in this we're not in the peak of summer, and we're not in the peak of winter, and we're talking about creating all these electric cars and all this other stuff, and we can't even meet our demands right now. So, so what does Biden? What does the Biden administration do? We're talking about shutting down another pipeline, this Michigan pipeline uh, that they're talking about. They're looking at uh, either not approving or or shutting down at a very at the very moment that we need more. Uh, energy supplies in this country, and we're looking elsewhere to do it. But then on top of that, to show they're having a hard time connecting the dots between supply and demand, the president's calling on uh, his administration to look into, and he's, he, had his, he, uh, he actually made a release a statement today on these numbers. He said, I have directed my National Economic Council to pursue means to try to further reduce these costs and have asked the Federal Trade Commission to strike back at any market manipulation or price gouging in the second sector talking about energy. So the supply dwindles, the the uh, gas stations and others raise the prices, and he's accusing them of price gouging? Well, it's... <laughs> It's so ridiculous, but it drives the point home that he and his uh, economic council are either have no will or they are incompetent enough to see the problem and to make any attempt to fix it. So I got to believe if he has any economists there that they understand what the problem is, but they can't fix it. They can't change it because that would go that would be an uh, ideological issue. Uh, for this administration. They're never going to fix it, It's uh, and it's only going to get worse. And if they're going to be looking for price gouging, I laughed when I heard that because it, it is good luck with that. You're not going to find any price gouging. Nobody wants to be price gouging, and they're not going to. But we've got little supply 
with a lot of dollars out there trying to chase it, and they're going. The prices are going to continue to go up. And is that basic? Is that basic economics? economics? It yeah. is. And they and they've got to be able to see that. And and but the problem with the supply, it's all self-inflicted by this administration. It's all self-inflicted. I mean, the, he had a, he's had a war on on energy. The day he came into office when he shut down the Keystone Pipeline, it was very obvious he made no bones about it. And I, I guess I guess he thought that was going to happen, and there wasn't going to be any price increases or. Did he just not care about the price increases? Is this another crisis that the left needs? I don't know about that, but it is another crisis. And it is a crisis that is going to be here to stay and is only going to get worse. And it's going to impact the economy. But this is one that every time you pull into the gas station to fill up your car, you're reminded of. This is not if, if I were, you know, I've been in politics a while and these are not the kind of reminders you want people getting on a regular basis that you're the one that's making them pay 50 percent more for their gasoline. And that's exactly what happened, you know, in Virginia, as much as the school issue was such a big one. Uh, the number one thing out of the polls was the economy. They were concerned about the economy. And, you know, I'm not taking anything. I love the idea that the focus is on the schools and the teachers. I love that. I'd rather be there. But the fact of the matter is everybody, if they weren't worried about that, they were worried about the economy. This is going to they this is going to be a 50 seat loss for the Democrats in the midterm elections, all because of gasoline prices, all because they wanted to wage war against the oil companies. That's what this is about. And you're begging OPEC and Russia as if that's going as if that's going to stop the carbon footprint from being made right, if right. they produce it there. That's crazy. It's just there's no logic to it. It's just yeah. it's so ridiculous. And the other the other part is to think people are that stupid. Nobody. He owns this, Tony. He owns Everything that is going on in this economy, he owns it lock, stock and barrel. Everybody knows that the Democrats know it. The left knows it. Everybody is he's getting full credit for this problem. And that's the beauty of it. If you can find beauty. I rarely disagree with you. I rarely disagree Mm -hmm. with you. But I do think people are that there are some people out there that are that stupid. Okay, I, I um, and they're not our listeners. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure of it, unless they just happen to run across the dial here. But he said this in the debates. He said this in the debates that he was going to shut down uh, fossil yeah. fuels. He was going to shut down the refineries. He made this point. In fact, President Trump pressed him on it and he repeated it. But yet enough people voted for him that put him in office. So, um I think they were like I think they were like minded people. They didn't know they that he was telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah. No, they they didn't know that it was going to impact them. They thought it was a good thing. They were looking at that like, great, we're going to finally get green energy. Again, they they lack they lack an understanding of basic economic principles. It's true. It is true. Well, of course, and then I pin that back on our public education system. Uh, Speaking on the on the economic thing, we're talking about inflation as well. All right. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me okay. if I'm wrong. You said, and I agree, we have few products out there because of the supply chain issues, but we have this money that's out there, and so it's driving up the price of goods. 
So we now have these, uh, we have the reconciliation bill, we just passed the infrastructure bill, we're putting trillions of dollars more into the economy. How's that going to help inflation? Well, it's not going into the economy, it's going into bigger government. And that's, the, that's, that's why it's not going to help inflation. It's not going to help the economy. It's not going to help economic growth. Look, look, and everybody, all of your viewers, they're pretty smart. Uh, my viewers are pretty smart, but they, they got to understand this very important fact. It is not the government's job to create jobs. It's not yeah, what sure. you're here you're for. Right. You're they don't do right. that. They are to create an environment for the private sector to create jobs. It's, yeah. it's, no, it's no more complicated. They, their job is to create the environment. That environment is not even close to be even thought about, let alone creating that environment. So, you know, the, the notion that uh, they, they can, I don't think they want to fix it, but if they wanted to fix it, they're not going to fix it by more government spending. It's no, they not just going place- to happen. They displace the private sector's ability to do that when they take resources away from the private sector and put it into government. Exactly. And, and, and not only that, the private sector will never have the confidence to just jump in at even the thought of money. Maybe that is coming in the economy. Maybe they are going to do the right thing. They're not going to jump in. They're not going to have the confidence to do it. No businessman is going to say, okay, Let's hire the 400 people we need. Let's spend the money. Let's put the addition on the plant. Let's buy more trucks, whatever they got to do. They're not going to do it. Not under this administration. They've lost all credibility and, and they've, and they've lost, if they had any, and they've lost all the confidence of business sentiment is gone and there, it can't turn around. That's why I say it can't get better because of that, because that doesn't come back overnight. Yeah, I think uh, the only thing that probably will bring that back is a switch of the majority yes. in Congress, which would bring gridlock in Washington, D.C., which um, these days in Washington, gridlock is actually a good thing because it Amen. provides more stability than anything else. All right, Dan, before we run out of time, uh, let's talk to our viewers, our listeners, given all of this economic information that's coming at us and the fact that it doesn't look like anything's going to change in the short term. What do what do families need to be doing right now? Uh, they need to be working hard to um, get some cash at home. Please have some cash at home. Everybody, I try to tell people that it's very important. Well, I don't like to keep too much cash. Well, keep something at home. Um, you know, I, I get concerned. We become more and more vulnerable every day to the people that hate us, that China, Russia. Um, cyber attack is on the on the you know, on the horizon. And that's got to be a huge concern. It should be something that we should be thinking about. What's that mean? It means the banks are going to shut down. They would have to, if the attack comes, they're not going to shut down for long. They're not going to be shut down for indefinite period of time. I don't believe you're going to not have access ever to your money or anything like that, but you'd be wise to have some money at home. Why? So you can stay out of the chaos, right? So that you can stay out of it, have some basic food stuff at home yeah. so you can stay out of the chaos because it is going to be chaos. Right. That we're, is not, we're not talking, we're, we're not talking getting off the grid and preppers, although I don't no, have any problem no, no. with those. I want to no. do that, but this is, this is how our grandparents used to live. I mean, they canned vegetables in the summertime. They had them on the shelf. They didn't go to the grocery store every day to get the food. They went once or twice a month uh, and got what they needed uh, to supplement what was already there on the shelf. So it's basically just going back to being self- reliant and, and, you know, being prepared. 
being prepared, then that's the key. And that's what, that's what we have to do. And you can do it rather inexpensively. You don't have to hoard, get what you need, right. get what you need for, you know, it'll make sure you have some, you know, non-perishable kinds of goods. Again, it might do you uh, a huge, huge favor by keeping your family, your kids, yourself out of the chaos that is going to, and I, I don't even know if the chaos is going to be violent. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the long peace lines. Of, the, peace the, of mind. The, yeah, peace of peace mind. Of mind. Just, yeah. But uh, also, this that, is not a time to be taking on lots of debt either. We no, ought to be, no. we ought to, of course, it's never really a time to take no. on debt, but we ought to be trying to be as, uh, as free from debt as possible. If you have the means to get yourself out of debt or get a lot lower, uh, but you're hoarding maybe some cash because you don't want to do that. I strongly suggest you get yourself out of debt. It'll, it's a no, it's, it's a no lose situation. If nothing goes wrong, you're still in better shape than you were. Yeah, if everything right. goes wrong, you're in better shape than you would have been. It's a no lose situation. Let go of some of that. If you have the means and, right. and get out of some of that debt. All right, so there it is. You have from Dan Siegel, get some beans and bullets, uh, and you'll be uh, (laughs) – Dan, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Great talk. Great talking with you. Thank you, Tony. It's great to be here. All right. And, folks, I want to thank you for joining us. And check out Dan Siegel. He's a great source of information on financial issues. I use Dan's stuff all the time. So follow the links over at TonyPerkins.com and um, check out what Dan Celia has to say. I agree with him. You know, we need to be prepared. We got to live that way all the time. Uh, but we also need to live free from being chained by debt. Makes a big difference. All right. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.